everyone, and welcome into a fabulous new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. And we are so excited to be bringing you today's episode because we're not exactly heading to the stage today, but more heading to the bookshelf with an exciting new release today. Joining us to talk about this release, we have the editor of this book, Megan Carter, and the contributor, Darren West, who are here to talk to us about City Company. This is not a handbook. It's available on Lulu. Soon it will be available in your brick and mortar bookstore, which is a great place to support this time of year. And you can get more information right now and pick up your copy of this book by heading to city.org. And that is S-I-T-I.org. We are so excited to share this book with you and to learn more about it. So let's bring on the experts on this. Megan, Darren, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi, great. Nice to be here. I'm very excited to have the two of you here. I'm very excited to learn more about this book. The press release I received immediately piqued my interest. Number one, because it's a new theater book. I love, love theater books. They're just, they're amazing. You know, an industry that I've devoted my life to, it's great to hear what other people think or, you know, dedicated their lives to as well. But then the more I read into it, one of the names that popped out to me was a name that's been involved in my life since my teen years, which is Anne Bogart. And I was like, wait a minute, now go on. I want to know more about this. So Darren, as one of the contributors, can I start with you and have you tell us a little bit about what this book, City Company, This Is Not a Handbook, is about? It's about a lot of things, but I think, you know, probably a decade ago, the company started thinking about writing a book. Anne has such a, you know, she has a pretty prolific amount of books and she's a she's a constantly she's constantly writing but one of the things that i i think the company's desire was to come at the work of the company and our years together from our perspective from our standpoint and so there was a conversation that started i want to say probably in the early 2000s just amongst ourselves you know, you'd be on tour and sitting in the dressing room and somebody would say, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Oh, this should go in the book. Or, you know, some funny thing would have happened in tech and somebody goes, oh, this should have gone in the book. And so I think amongst most of us, we had started just sort of jotting down ideas. And and back in the early 90s, when the company started in 93, we did a lot of international touring. And this was sort of really before the internet was completely prolific. And, um, and we kept journals and show diaries and then when email became really really popular you, you know you, you would have situations where one company member was in dublin and another group were making a play in alaska and there's somebody in scotland and so we would send a lot of correspondence back and forth to one another so it was really it feels like to me uh, you know correct me if i'm wrong megan but it was a pretty organic thing i mean it had Basically, it had been talked about for a while, like what can we do to sort of lift the curtain or to invite people that are fans of the company, people that have seen the work, that is a perspective that is not Anne Bogart's alone. And, uh, you know, there's a common thing that happened with the company a lot that people would walk into rehearsals of a show that the company were, were doing and Anne Bogart was directing 
and then realize, wait a minute, who's actually directing in this room? Because everybody has their fingers in the pie of the thing that we're making. But it it was a little bit of voodoo involved. So it, this was a chance to sort of put the voodoo down on paper, put the voodoo down for the peeps, as it were. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it had, it was just an idea for a really, really long time. And then when Megan came on board for the, you know, as a producer for the final season, she was really the one that drove it. I mean, you know, get, giving assignments, cracking the whip, actually making sure it was going to happen because, you know, it's a gigantic group of people. They all have really, really big lives, have all the best intentions in the world to get stuff done. But if it didn't, if it didn't involve putting a play on stage, it, it, it could go to the back burner pretty easily. And Megan kept pulling it off the back burner and turning the heat up on it for us, you know, and really just put it all together frankly you know made it happen really that is incredible oh i love this megan i do want to bring you on and and darren touch on it a little bit but i would love to to dive a little bit more into what the antithesis was for all of you because there were many contributors to this book and and then you being one of the editors or the editor i should say what drove you all to finally put all this together so I have had a relationship with City Company since like 2008, but I was officially hired and, and put on staff in 2019 when the company decided that they were going to sunset. So one of the things that I was working on with Michelle Preston, who was the executive director, was this kind of legacy plan. And it involved a finale season and a finale, you know, a finale season in New York, a tour, um, building an archive, the book, there's a documentary in the work. So there was this whole sort of list of things that we wanted to accomplish as part of the legacy plan, you know, and the book was not the top priority. The finale season was the top priority, but then the pandemic happened right. and, you know, Michelle and I were trying to figure out how to, you know, keep company members both engaged and active and also paid. And so we pivoted our plan to focus on the archive in the book in 2020 because we couldn't be on stage. So the archival process started. And at the same time, I think I gave the first assignment and it was like, okay, you're going to write a chapter. It can be about whatever you want it to be. You can talk to me. Like I, I functioned a little bit as a dramaturg, having conversations with people. Some folks were like, I'm not really a writer. I was like, great, have somebody interview you. Do a transcript. I'll edit that. So people went about it in a lot of different ways, but I made the assignment. I gave them a deadline. We gave them a contract. We paid them. And then, then I chased them because nobody hit the deadline. And then, you know, we finally, I finally got the first draft with everybody's chapter. And it was about, it was, it was a few hundred pages. And so I printed it all out and I sat down and I read it from start to finish, just in a random order. And I made notes on each one. And then I set up meetings with each person and we talked through it. And in many cases, I was like, this is great. Talk more about this, do this. In some cases, I was like, I don't know what this is. Start over. People were very happy with me about that. And we didn't really talk a lot about what the book was going to be. Much like City Company, Company itself and that voodoo that Aaron was talking about, it's sort of alchemical. So 
I picked up on where things were connecting, pushed it in certain directions. And what we ended up with, I think, is fairly unique because it it's both anecdotal, about 30 years of the same group of people collaborating together, and also about the craft. So somebody will be t- telling a story about doing a show in Tbilisi and then start talking about how an actor develops a character. So it was very organic and very messy, you know, and then, you know, people had to do a revision and we went through all of that. And then we had to choose photos. People did a photo dump. So we knew that we wanted it to be almost a coffee table book. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a handbook. (laughs) It's not a textbook. It's not, I don't really know how to describe it, but you know, we have all these like backstage photos and road photos as well as production photos and like weird ephemera. There's a photo of like Darren's plane tickets from the nineties. There's like badges and stuff from all over the tours. Um, And and each chapter really is each person individually, because I think for so long, when people thought about City Company, they really just thought about Anne. Like Anne was sort of the face and the voice and she wrote all these amazing books and she's such a brilliant mind. But there was this ensemble that was making this work the whole time. And they really are a group of amazing individual artists. And so I think that's a lot of what the book is about is like showing you how individuals come together and work together. I love that. Now, Darren, I want to go back to you as one of the contributors. I mean, Megan gave us a very good insight into the process about how this is put together. As a contributor, what has this been like for you developing the book and putting it together? Well, you know, it was a long time. We were together 30-something years, you know, and there are tons of stories and tons of tours. I mean, we created 50 pieces, more than 50 pieces of theater together since 1993. So it... It was a little bit like going down memory lane and and all the 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 joys of that and <clears throat> remembering things that you thought you had forgotten because I have a I have a tub that is in my closet that's sort of like just an archive of stuff. And so a lot of the city company stuff, the touring diaries and the the notes from productions and the things that 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 weren't digital, you know, before we put putting things in the computer all sort of reside in there. So to open up that box is a little bit like opening Pandora's box to some degree, you know, because you're going through, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, I remember this person was in Alaska with me or, you know, and the the photo dump that Megan was talking about was actually really special because we made a, Megan put a Dropbox together and everybody just started throwing photos in. Well, we all know what our photos are, but to see the company from everyone's various perspectives, you know, the photos that they took over the years brought back a ton of memories, you know, both good and bad. You know, we we had, uh, like any company, you know, you go through trials and tribulations, both personal and business. And and so diving back all into that was a was a blessing. I think it it reminded us to be really proud of what we all made together. Because, you know, when the company first started, 
it was an idea of Anne's to put a company together to make these theatrical essays that she was interested in. And we made the first three of them, the medium being about Marshall McLuhan, Small Eyes, Big Dreams, about the five major plays of Anton Chekhov, and then Going, Going, Gone, which was our uh, our science our science piece that we made. And the thing that was interesting in the development of the company was that we learned all these tools to create. Like most of us had come from theater backgrounds that were varied, but the similarity of them were we had worked in regional theaters. There was a there was an enormous amount of experience amongst the people that joined. I mean, I was the youngest member at that time, and I had already worked at two regional theaters, you know, Actors Theater of Louisville and Alabama Shakespeare. And I was just what in my mid-20s. And it and we sort of joined this merry band of players together because the one thing that Anne brought to us was a different way of doing things. Like when you walked into the room and watched Anne rehearse, it was unlike anything any of us had ever seen. And we were all super excited about it. And then as the company, you know, moved on through the years, we learned how to how to make self-created pieces. We were writing our own scripts and then the company went through a period of going, no, we don't want to write our own scripts. Get us a playwright. And then we went through a period of working with Naomi Azuka and Jocelyn Clark and a number of playwrights. And then we were like, what would it be like to collaborate with other companies? And so then we worked with Bill T. Jones and Ann Hamilton. And so there are a lot of different eras and lives of the company that Everyone has a different aspect of it, and it's really reflected in the book. I, I found it really moving when I first read the, what do you call it, Megan? Like the word, the edit version of it, sort of the, the, the proof. proof. Yeah, the proof of it, because there were stories that people told that I was in the room for, but I didn't remember certain aspects of it or hearing other people's perspective of the thing that that we all made together. I, I really got to know a lot of my company members even more than I ever expected to. And I'd known them for 30 years. So it's been a real joy putting the, putting the thing together, you know, and, and for us, I think it's a, it's a celebration of my colleagues and all of the stuff that, that we went through together. And there are a lot of different voices in the book. So I feel like when you read it, you really get a sense of who the people are in the room together. And I think it's also a celebration of collaboration and sustained collaboration and frankly, just like scrappy, get it done, you know, small theater. Like this is a company that made things happen. And, you know, as they grew, they developed more in infrastructure and, and had more help. But in the early days, it was like a couple actors, designers, Anne and a fax machine. <laughs> like, yeah. That was the, that was what they yeah, the had. High tech, yeah. The high technology back then for us is we would sit around only one person in the, in the company had a computer at that point in time. So in Japan, for instance, on the very first show, we would, we would stage during the day, we would go to dinner and then come back to the the building that we were living in and all sit around these wooden tables in the kitchen, writing the thing that we would stage the next day. But we didn't have any copying machines or anything. So the stage manager would type it all out. We had these stacks of reams of text that Anne had given us all and people were writing dialogue and putting things together. And so you'd get done about three hours later and we'd all have to wait because the stage manager, Jason, 
had to send the 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 document that he had made over to the offices, which were on the other side of Mr. Suzuki's compound, and grab the fax machine paper of it. We faxed it and then had to make photocopies of the faxes. And then he'd come running back with these reams of scripts to pass out. I mean, my first, my medium script, you can't make out too much of it anymore because it was thermal fax paper. And we all know how that goes away with a with a little heat in years, but yeah, it was just as Megan said, we we were scrappy and just figured out ways to to get it done. It didn't so get pushy for a while, and then it was you know. So I think you know for you know up and coming ensembles, even established ensembles, I think will see themselves reflected in the book. It's definitely, I think, an interesting book for performers. I will also say that through Darren's chapter, you can pretty much trace the evolution of sound technology in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> so of interest to designers. And it it's really, it's also really an ode to, in some ways, I think the American theater, even though City was very much international, the folks who believed in the company early on and gave them a stage and a place to develop their work. It, it's kind of an ode to those folks as well. Chuck Helm, Mark Masterson, John Christy Dory, Edmonds. Christy Edmonds. Like yeah. it's it's really, it, it's, it's kind of extraordinary that theater can function in this country at all. And ensemble theater even more so. So it's it's kind of a testament, I think, to that. I love all that. Oh my gosh. Megan, I want to ask, you know, with all of these stories and all this great insight, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping that the readers will take away from this? While I while I hope that this book will, will be of interest, not just to theater makers, but also to theater goers, I think it's, it's really for theater makers at, at its core. And I think the message is keep going, like keep going through the mess, keep going through like how hard everything feels, just keep doing it because what else are you going to do? Yeah, we were a tenacious bunch, that's for sure. Yes, that, yes to all of that. You Say know, that other, again for the people in the back, you know? You know, the other the other thing, too, is that with going back to, you know, the, the reception of the book is that we have led workshops and training programs literally all over the world. There's not been very many places that, that we haven't gone. We had a summer program with 60 students every year at Skidmore College up in Saratoga Springs. And one of the, the 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 sort of common mysteries about the company is we we give away these tools to other theater makers, which is part of what we what was really really important to us. But there was hardly ever a discussion about the thought processes or the whys of the choices that the company made in a rehearsal together. Like if you ever came to see a city company rehearsal when when it would run into a brick wall in the middle of a rehearsal, 
the company would naturally kind of circle up. So, so even if you were an observer in the room, the company kind of comes together in a huddle and throwing out ideas or yes and knowing various various things or pointing or and would would point out what works and what doesn't work and the things we need to think about, you know, as we move forward with staging or or script or what have you. And this book is a way to let people in on all of that circling up that we did. You know, it uh it they they will learn observations from Stephen about how he felt while playing Orson Welles. They'll learn observations of what it's like to be on stage as one person in Bob that Will Bond, who we call Bondo affectionately, his experience of taking that show on tour all over the world, you know, because it was a show that the company, it was called Bob. It was based on the, uh, it was about Robert Wilson and sort of the inspiration of, of, of Robert Wilson. And at that time in the company, we were in a little bit of financial straits as all companies find themselves in, but that show really saved us. And there were four of us that took it basically all over Europe for about a half a year. It was like, you know, it was like sending money home to the family, you know, back in, back in the States to keep the, to keep the company together. And we all, at, at a certain point in time, you know, I think, sorry, I'm running on here, but I think it, you know, we, we all came together to make a particular play that Anne wanted to make. And then we made another play. And then she had another idea. And then we made that play. It wasn't until, at least for me, it wasn't until three or four years into the company that I thought, oh, wait a minute, this is a thing. This is like a, this is a whole aspect of my life because I work a lot outside the company as well. But I began to have to really focus on that. And as my other career as a just an independent sound designer started taking off, I had to really make decisions about, you know, how much time am I devoting a year to the to the city company and 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 it it became really a collective over the years you know amongst amongst the group it was a thing it was you know and really great at bringing people together and we took it learned the tools and ran with it you know it's so wonderful i love that my final question for this first part of the interview is going to actually be for both of you and that is who do you hope have access to City Company, this is not a handbook. And Megan, I'm going to start first with you on that. I I hope that all, you know, students of theater have access to it. I also know that City has a pretty hardcore fandom and, you know, obviously I want to I want those people to have have the books. But I also think about, you know, the audiences that followed city over the year you know bam was a a sort of new york home for city company like i think it's interesting to those audiences and i hope they have access to it and we're working on um getting it on amazon and you know other things so that people really like can get it yeah i love that that's wonderful darren what about you who do you hope have access I, you know, you put things out in the world and you put it out because you hope people can engage with it, you know, 
theater, plays, paintings, movies. So I, you know, I, I think it, I definitely think it's a book for everybody. It is uh, anyone that has any sort of relationship to the theater. I, I'm right now actually reading the fervent years, the group. That, well, it's right here about the group theater. And I do, I think for me, working in the theater, one of the most profound aspects of it is standing on the shoulders of other people. And I think as the company was starting to wind down, one of the things that really, the fire that really got lit in me is making sure we left stuff for people. Like people that I don't even know that I will never encounter who may have seen a, a film or a YouTube clip and went, what is up with this company? I wanted them to be able to go someplace and 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 delve into our history and who we were and what we did together. That for me was a really, really in, in, important aspect of it. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to put the company in the situation where we were one of the shoulders that some other folks can stand on. You know, we've given birth to a lot of, a lot of theater companies and inspired a lot of ensemble artists together. And this was just another phase in, in that relationship with those people. Second part of our interview, I love giving our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I would love to start with our regular first question, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some wow. of your favorites? And Darren, is it okay if I start with you first? Yeah, that? sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I know Megan's going, please start with Darren. Please start with Darren. Please start with Darren. You know, it. I, I would. I, when I think back, if I had to pick sort of three or four things that I can sit here and close my eyes and, and remember very, very clearly was probably, you know, the work of Complicite, Teatro de Complicite. The first time I saw Mnemonic, the first time I saw Elephant Vanishes, the first time I saw the encounter, the piece, the solo piece that he did that ended up on Broadway with the with the binaural mic head. I and 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 I love the work of the Rude Max down in Austin. That's always been a company. Anytime I have seen their their pieces, M Megan and I were a little obsessed with their piece now, now, now that I, I think I ended up seeing it. I, I don't I don't know if you, you were with me every time I saw it, Megan, or not, but I think I saw it three times. It was like- I, at I was. Then it was I, at New York. I worked on it. Oh, I didn't even, I don't think I even realized that. Yeah. All right, well, there we go. See, we're still learning things. Method Gun was a really big show of theirs for me, you know, and I would, uh, oh, Robert Lepage's Seven Streams of the River Odo was life-changing for me. I saw it at BAM. It was like seven hours long. I saw it on a Saturday. And I swear to God, the moment the house lights came up at the end of it, I could have gone and gotten a drink of water, had a little snack, and come back and watch the entire thing all over again. I just, I, I have never, that that experience of that show was just extraordinary. And like the first time I saw Suzuki's company doing King Lear that was a that was a very it was the first time out of the country 
had just joined this company. Well, I didn't really, I didn't know, didn't know I was joining a company. I just went to Japan with this idea of a company that Anne had to do a play. And it was a big international theater festival. And for me, being a regional theater kid, like working at Actors Theater of Louisville, and all of a sudden, you know, seeing Robert Wilson walking down the street and watching a crazy Polish company do Carmina Burana. And that, you know, it was just everywhere you turned around. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. This is the kind of theater I want to do. I don't, I, you know, I could stay in regional theaters and make a, a good life for myself doing Tennessee Williams plays and Inge and Christmas Carol and Dracula every year. But, oh my God, this is way more exciting. So, yeah, that, that that's, yeah, that's, some of it for me, I think when I when I think back, putting putting a gun to my head, I guess I would go, oh yeah, it's you know, the those folks. But there's been so many, you know, uh, with the amount of touring that City Company did, you know, you'd be in a in a festival and you'd have your performance on Saturday, but on Friday and Sunday, you know, and sometimes on Monday, you got to catch some really really extraordinary artists from all over the world, you know. So it it was. Even the life around the company was inspiring, not only inside the company, but just the, the circles we got to travel in and the people we got to be in, be in the theater with. Kind of amazing. That is a wonderful list. Wow. Thank you for that. Megan, how about you? What or who inspires you? I'm in a second, Darren, with Complicite and the Rude Max and... I will also add like Nehi and earlier Eva Von Hova. I also, I love Carol Churchill. Chuck Nee had his signature season. I want to say like the year, the second year that I lived in New York and I saw every single one of those pieces. And that was before I really knew City Company's connection to Chuck Mee. But I also have to say City Company because City Company... I saw my first City Company show like two months after I moved to New York and it absolutely like changed the way I thought about theater. You know, and before that, I worked at Insmon in Seattle when Bart Scherer was the artistic director and what he did with Shakespeare was extraordinary. So all of all of those things were were definitely influences for me. Love that list as well. Wonderful. Let me ask the two of you, what's your favorite part about working in the theater? And Megan, I want to stick with you first on that. For me, I think I think my favorite thing is connecting people and like putting teams together and helping start collaborations. I also like finishing collaborations, but I really like being at the the sort of beginning of those those groups coming together. That's a lovely answer. Yes. Darren, what about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Well, hmm. I think it changes from day by day, changes day by day. But I guess I would say, you know, it's a it's a very ephemeral art form. And I love the fact that it's ephemeral in that way. You know, every day is totally different. That's one thing about being a designer. Every show is different. Every cast is different. Every process is different. I'm a bit of a of a stimulus junkie, so I'm I'm glad the career found me. Uh, I would have to say I'm ra- I'm rarely bored in my job. That's for sure. 
But I, I guess, you know, the, uh, every day there are different challenges and there are different rewards. And, it, you know, it, it sort of reminds you that you're alive and staying present and you're on a big old journey and to enjoy it while you can and tell some stories to some folks that hopefully they'll remember and might change their lives a little bit along the way. Another fabulous answer. Now we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and I cannot wait to hear your answer because of everything you've been involved with, the places you've gone to, this is really exciting to hear. So what is your favorite theater memory? You know, the the one, honestly, that is sort of closest to the surface right now, and because we're talking about City Company, I'm thinking about City Company. The last show that City did was A Christmas Carol at the Fisher Center at Bard. And I'm super bummed that it's, it's, it's not going to be seen again because it's a truly extraordinary Christmas Carol. But the very last performance of A Christmas Carol, all of the staff, and I think Darren and maybe one of the other designers were sitting basically in the front row. And the show ended and curtain call happened and we all leapt to our feet sobbing and the people the the normal people in the audience must have been like wow these people really love christmas carol a lot um but really in the christmas spirit (laughs) really in the christmas spirit you know and then running backstage and everyone's crying and hugging in the dark and yeah it was just there will never be a moment like that i think for me again yeah that is such a That's wonderful really memory. Wow. I I can visually see that. Like, oh, what a movie memory. I'm so glad. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's very strange to say goodbye to, you know, a, a family that's been together for 30 years and, and, and all of the stories and the relationships and the time together. Yeah, it was like as Megan was talking about it, it, I thought it's so strange because I think all of us right now are still dealing with the end of the company in our own way. And you, you for myself, I, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of moving on, but I, you know, I had kind of sad moments of walking by, you know, the Skirball Center the other day and was like, oh, I, 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 I love doing those shows there. And, and just when I thought I, I was kind of fine with it as Megan started talking about it, all the emotions kept coming up again and kind of surprising me going, wow it's still um it it's still right uh, it's still right under the skin you know thinking about that that final day my goodness i mean you know for me there's so many there are so many memories and so you know i've been doing this for like 30 years at this point in time but that's a that's a real that's a really really that's a really really hard one for for me cuz there're just there's so many i could go on for hours it was the thing in my book chapter that i had to try to i think megan was like okay enough stories just talk about this just talk about this just talk about this so i i think for time for your sake and and for future editing i'm gonna stay with megan's answer because you really don't want me to open up that memory box it could just you you need to pack a lot so we'll have to have you back on where we just sit there and you tell us all your stories we could sit here for an hour and i could tell you crazy story (laughs) all the crazy stories from my career you know Oh, I would love that. That sounds amazing. But that memory for both of you, truly, that sounds incredible. What a wonderful, I guess, end for a company, a beautiful, 
one of those like bittersweet moments, you know, Absolutely. A, a celebration of an ending, you know, but oh, I, I was yeah, going to fly in the wall, you know, just oh. We use the word bittersweet a lot. So the book coming out at basically at the one year anniversary of the end of the company is, yeah, it was supposed to come out last year, but you know what? It's great. It's like an encore is really exciting. And just so I say it out loud, you know, there is an archive at the Ohio State University, but there's also a digital archive that you can get to via city.org. It's a really incredible resource and it's not done. It's still like, we're still adding stuff to it. It's, but it's an incredible, super accessible resource for. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I was folks. just around on it a, a, just a few days ago, sort of randomly in a rehearsal hall. And I needed an answer to a question. I can't remember who asked it. It was for a, a, a an article someone is doing on the company. And I was like, Oh, I'll look in the archive and just typed in, you know, death in the, plowman and all of a sudden they're like programs and photos from the show and notes and a copy of the script and this touring date and that yeah it's kind of a it, it it's pretty amazing like i i i'm even blown away by because i've really had nothing to do with the archive other than doing the assignments that i'm given of turning in stuff that needs to go to the archive but i i just couldn't believe how effective the the start of condensing 30 years of this company's work together you know on a on a day i was very excited by it i just think it's going to be really good for folks going back to the standing on the shoulders of giants thing you know i'm i'm glad that resource is there you know that's amazing well thank you both for sharing that memory that lovely memory i really appreciate that and thank you for sharing the information about the archive. That's incredible. Let me ask the two of you, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I'm in the world of, of consulting now, and I'm actually being really sort of picky about the, the stuff that I'm producing, but I am producing a site-specific performance installation in Los Angeles in May called Roscos Asiaticos with Virginia Grice and Tanya Oriana. And super excited about it that sounds wonderful congratulations on that how about you Dan? uh well as soon as this is done i'm going to close my computer and put it in my backpack and head down to the signature because i am starting tech on night of the iguana that emily mann is directing there with kind of an all-star cast and we'll start tech on that and lots of future projects and bogart's doing existentialism this piece about sartre at and Simone de Beauvoir at La Mama that will happen, I think, in February of next year. And there's there's a lot of things. There's a production of Russian Troll Farm that's going to happen at the Vineyard. So it it feels like post-pandemic, it's finally picking up to maybe the way it used to be just a little bit before, you know? Yes. I am so happy to hear you're working on Night of the Iguana. Well, my final question for both of you is if our listeners would like more information about City Company, this is not a handbook, or either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? 
So for City Company, I would say city.org has all of the things. It's how you can get to the book. It's how you can get to the archive. It's got basic information about the company and the company's history. So a ton of stuff there. It also has information about the ensemble members individually. And I think actually contact info for, for those folks or ways to contact them. For me, my website's not ready yet, but you know, when it is, I will, I will let you know. <laughs> website. Yeah. I, I don't have a website. You don't have a website, but you're Darren L. West. Everybody knows who you are. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a theater hermit. People need to get a hold of me. They know how. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, Darren, thank you both so much for taking the thank time you. today to speak to me about this amazing book and sharing your amazing memories. This has been an absolute delight. So thank you both for your time today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks absolute for having pleasure. Us. My guests today have been the editor, Megan Carter, and the contributor, Darren West, who are part of this amazing new book, City Company, This Is Not a Handbook. It is currently available on Lulu. Soon it will be available other places, including your local brick-and-mortar bookstore, so make sure you support those. But right now it's only available on Lulu. And for more information about the book or to pick up your copy, head over to their website, city.org, and that's city, S-I-T-I, dot org. We're going to have all this information listed in our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But this is an incredible, incredible book. Perfect Christmas gift for any theater lover in your life that tells the story of a very iconic, historic theater company and group that did so much for the world of theater. I cannot wait to get my hands on this book and just dive into it. It's amazing. So make sure you check out City Company. This is not a handbook. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.